Hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode 85, our favorites and yours. Hello, welcome. My name is Lori Krieg and I am the executive director of Hole in My Heart Ministries and we're coming at you from Grand Rapids, Michigan. And I am here with licensed therapist and Argyle fan, you're still demoted, babe, and my husband, <laughs> Matt, not demoted in the husbandry Still husband, <laughs> Matt. I have nothing to do with animal husbandry. <laughs> like that's a real thing, it is. and I don't I do know. any of that. But I'm glad I'm still your husband and still an Argyle fan. Yeah, you no are. No one can take it from me. <laughs> no. And we have our producer and the most professional radio voice among us, producer Steve. Hello. Hello. You were practicing that. I was. <laughs> no. But today we are going to be doing some reflections of this crazy hole in my heart podcast of season two and so that started last august that's like about episode 44 ish Mm -hmm. until now 85 um and we're gonna take a two-month break because i'm having a baby real soon (laughs) and uh we all just need a little reset anyway uh but we are excited to reflect on some of the highlights of the last season um thank you all for those of you who've responded to things like our podcast survey or you're part of the hole in my heart podcast group on facebook just giving us some of that feedback or just your emails and itunes reviews we really appreciate it because that helped us kind of form some of these answers to what are what were some of the highlights from this season but before we dive into those clips as well as some of our reflections let's do the question of the week from last week which is an update on our word for the year which maybe some of (laughs) y'all forgot or (laughs) you're like uh what was that matt you didn't know your word you totally (laughs) forgot i had to go back to december you had to go back and listen to the podcast just like uh taylor swift i had back to december all the time I don't even know that. How do you know that? Oh, our daughters. Okay. Uh, But how are you guys doing? I wish I could say that. (laughs) You're not blaming the daughters. I am ashamed. I am ashamed. (laughs) Oh, that's cute. Okay. How are you doing on your word for the year resolution you made or what has God shown and taught you so far? Um, So you guys responded on Facebook and Twitter or Instagram, found me, Lori Krieg, K-R-I-E-G, to respond to that. Matt, which listener did you resonate with and how are you doing on that forgotten word? Um, Well, I am resonating with what Faye said. Her word is finished or finish. She has finished writing a devotional each day, Monday through Saturday has finished putting together a devotional ebook that will release June 1st. That's exciting. Yeah. And almost finished writing the second book in my three book saga. Dang. And, and one of the things that, that made me really resonate with that is because I, a long time ago, and it gets brought up in my family gatherings every time, <laughs> I started to write a book and I got about 30 pages in and a decade later have not looked <laughs> at it again. <laughs> I remember that was one of the things you tried so, to like swoon me with. Yeah, yeah. Was, it was reading your fan fiction. Ex- it wasn't fan, fi- fan what was fiction. What was it? Sorry. It was, it I'm short stories. Short they, they were my own things with random names and all sorts of stuff. It was anyway. like fantasy though. That was the genre. It was, yeah, it was going to be, I don't know. Were you compiling an anthology? <laughs> that sounds no, really cool. That did yeah, sound it good. would be. I'm compiling cool. an anthology of short stories. Yes. Yeah. No, I was pretending that I was a writer and now here I have to be one. <laughs> I guess we have a deadline, babe. Oh boy. Yeah. But So anyway, back to other places where I am not very good at remembering my word of the year. Um, and I'm actually surprisingly doing okay at it because my word of the year was silence. And I, I've been trying to quiet my mind and, and, and in order to hear God's voice more. And so um, I think I've been doing fairly well. I, I've taken kind of some of the pressure off of the like having to do a devotional every day religiously type of thing. And I've been reading books on on trying to just really discern the voice of God and and then kind of trying to sit in that, especially late at night. Um, and so I'd say I'm doing okay, but I could be quieter. So I'm going to start practicing now. <laughs> no, not after the podcast is done. Also, when I'm in labor, I need your vocal help <laughs> called. I'm awesome and amazing. I, everything positive. You're an icon of, of the incarnation. To quote Christopher there you go. West. So you're not going to be okay with Matt just like writing you notes during labor? <laughs> no. Like you and need or it to be verbal, not silent. Smoking a cigar outside in the waiting room. 
<laughs> Getting ready to hand them out. I thought, yes, there we go. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Steve, how about you? Who'd you resonate um, with in your word for the year? Okay. Uh, I liked what Jessica said, faithful. And then in parentheses, she said, steadfast, constant, loyal. Went on to say, Ugh, so hard, but constantly focusing on God's faithfulness and that he promises to do every good work in us. Been more faithful, constant, and loyal than past years. So rejoicing in the work that's been started in me to God be the glory and my strength to fight the good fight. So I think, you know... Yep. It's 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 helpful to have the example of Christ and his faithfulness. Oh, yeah. You know, it sounds like that's what she's saying. Oh, yeah. And what was your word? How are uh, you doing? Well, uh, <laughs> I don't want to be a, like a downer. Uh, I've struggled a little bit as I thought about this this yeah. week. Uh, it was self-discipline. Last year it was discipleship and it was kind of God was helping me, you know, just working with friends and other yeah. believers just Lots. with discipleship. And um, so this word, it was just kind of like, uh, we're going to look at my own self-discipline. Mm-hmm. And then I got that teaching gig and oh, I thought, yeah. oh, this will be great because it won't be an option. I'll have to be disciplined. And that's, that is true. I mean, I did develop a lot of discipline just with kind of what you've got to do to teach a class. <clears throat> but I think that my like spiritual disciplines really kind of took a back seat. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of all of this stuff. And it wasn't just the class. There was a lot that mm. kind of got thrown at us in these past uh, four or five months. And so I'm r- just right now kind of realizing I'm out of the zone. And mm. we talked a little bit last mm. week about journaling, and that's kind of me trying to work myself back into the zone. But yeah. it feels like, I don't know, I was just journaling this morning. Um, it feels more informational than relational. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm doing the things but I'm not feeling the the emotional connection there. So anyway, um, but God's faithful. And uh, so I, I, I don't feel like my faith is suffering. I just feel kind of like this weird distance. I'm in a weird Mm. place. Thanks for that honesty. So that's not a downer. That's a, authentic or we we dig it here so thanks but yeah. although i feel like you and matt need to have like a follow-up convo about like i don't know i just feel like there's some meat and maybe that will come uh, out in this conversation today well, but not if he's being silent that's <laughs> just like, uh, he's I'm taking kidding. a vow of silence yeah. for the, rest of the podcast <laughs> maybe maybe one of the disciplines that you need to practice is also silence maybe great so it's this yeah. is the Lori show it's the one-man oh. band <laughs> okay <laughs> I appreciated Sandy's uh, words on Twitter. Her word is healed. Woo, she writes. Uh, At this midpoint, it's been brutal. Getting down to the root is beyond painful, but I'm trusting the great physician and I'm trusting the process. The pain brings healing and freedom. And so my word for the year is growth and like growth into freedom. And as I was thinking about this, even driving over here, I was like, ugh. It feels like the older I get and the more I think I know, the less I know. (laughs) Um, And so I've been stretched in many ways. Yes, physically with the pregnancy, but I even just think about stepping into this inevitable labor. And it feels like God has kind of had me in that laboring space for a while where he's like, this is painful and hard. Like, here's some hard spaces for you. And I want you in these hard spaces to invite my love And to not try and escape, to not try and push eject on the pain, but to you let the pain uh, really grow you. And so there's not like any extremely down painful places, but I feel like I'm just listening, learning how to sit in the uncomfortable, uh, whether it's things I see in myself that I'm like, yep, that's not great. Or if there's things that I you know, that are challenging and just raising toddlers or in, in work life. And so can I sit in this pain and let it do the good laboring work of producing fruit and not try and go to the escape hatch, um, but to let it do its refining work. So I feel that I feel that now and I, I'm going to feel it intensely with uh, a baby coming, but um, yeah, I think it's, it's going well. It's just growth takes pain. (laughs) All right, we are going to do some goofball island, but before we go there, for those of you who are fast forwarding, I see you, (laughs) you people who say, no, I am actually the same way. So some of our podcast feedback was like, uh, I'm not a huge fan of all the like jokey jokes. I, I actually am with you all. I see you and I'm your person. (laughs) Like I actually prefer the deep, hearty, hard 
<laughs> I prefer the deep hearty har. <laughs> That's a good one, man. That's very good. Um, But we are, we're going to just say a few things from you all uh, just about this podcast as we're reflecting on season two. For those of you who don't know the history of how this began, I actually had someone ask me, you know, should I start a podcast? I love what you guys are doing. And I just said, be sure that you are called to this Mm. because this, this was not something that we're like, I have a good idea. Let's market our ministry. No, it was God saying the word podcast to me for like a year. And I was like, hard pass. I don't know how to do that. Then God lining this up and then just, you guys, if you hear some of the first episodes, like we're stumbling our way through. We cute. (laughs) Uh, But just for God to produce this fruit, it was because honestly, this obedience, this whole like growth that produces fruit that I was referring to, we all get that. Um, But I just want to share some of y'all's feedback before we go to Goofball Island, just about how this podcast has ministered to you. Because in some of the podcast survey, which if you go to himhministries.com, if you want to give us some feedback, you can click on it there. Um, I was like crying just hearing h- how this little act of obedience impacts you guys. So uh, one person said, I love your podcast and ministry of no idea how it's completely changed the trajectory of my walk with God. Wow. And I've heard that multiple times, like mm. people are like this is impacting my whole life and it, it has impacted my Lori's life. <laughs> so I'm like, it's just neat to see that fruit. Mm-hmm. What did you guys read or see uh, in some of the feedback? Yeah, I like this um, listener said, I love the topics and discussion. They are so relevant to my life and the lives of those I minister to. The guests always have something valuable to share. I agree. And yeah. uh, this person went on to say, I especially benefit from hearing their stories. Oh, yeah. So just those questions we kick off the heart of the matter with. Yeah. It's, it's powerful. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I, well, I mean, I'm really thankful for what this person wrote that at a time in their life when they're struggling to accept themselves and realize that they have value, this podcast has showed them that they're not alone and there is a Christian group of people struggling and winning. And it helps it just helps them. And so, and that's, that's really, I mean, part of the reason that we did this is just to say, Hey, we are, we're not alone. This is not a a single solitary walk. We, we need one another. And so really, really just grateful that that the podcast is, is having that type of impact on people. And so thank thank you you for your responses. Yes. Yes. All right. Goofball. Fine. Fast forward people. We're going there. And the vehicle we're taking is a popcorn maker with wheels. <laughs> Can you find that? Thanks. Good. There it is. Steve. There it is. Good job. Because uh, we're playing pod pop quiz. Okay. I'm going to give you guys some numbers and you have to tell me what do they have to do with the podcast. So it's pop quiz, popcorn maker, pod pop quiz. Nice. Okay. So what does this number have to do with the podcast? 7,600. Do we have to buzz in? Yes, buzz no. with your mouth. Seven. Or do we have to make a popcorn sound? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, do that. Just kidding. It, what is it? Eating popcorn? No, pop and <laughs> pop pop. That'll bother some listeners, I think, probably. <laughs> yeah. Or just the pop. Okay. 7,600. Pop. Yes. Uh, average weekly listeners? It's now weekly. That's uh, this last month's downloads. Okay. okay. Well, Team Matt has negative one point. <laughs> Good guess. <laughs> oh, is it Jeopardy rules? And we got to answer in the form of a question. Five seventy-seven. Pop. Yes. I have no idea. <laughs> I just wanted to say pop. Was, it's kind of fun, isn't it? It's a that fun really little sound, isn't is. it? It is the. What do you got? What Matt? I was going to say is it the number of days since we started it. No, oh. it's the number of downloads the first month we began. So 577, oh. 577, and then last month's was 7,600. Wow. Okay. okay. This one you guys probably know is 15,000 and 60,000. Pop. Yeah. Um, the, the count of the tribe of Judah when they left Egypt, <laughs> and then the count of the tribe of Judah when they entered the promised land. Nailed it. <laughs> no. I, I think I know this one. What? what? Is it season one versus season two yes. listens? So we had 15,000 wow. downloads season one and 60,000 this last. So y'all be crazy. It's pretty neat to see that just is. that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Last one on the numbers is 44. Tribe of Judah. Pop. <laughs> Wait, pop. Yeah. 44. That, that was how many episodes we had in the 
It, it might have been that, but it also season. was that many no. guests. Oh, wow. Yeah. All together, that's awesome. It yeah. is awesome. So thanks, guys. All right. Now, on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being the top listening city in the United States, what number are these cities? Oh. So I'm just going to say a city, and you have to guess the number that okay. they're at between okay. 1 and 10. One so number ten. 1 is like the highest yeah. they listen the most. Okay. okay. Dallas, Texas. Pop. Yeah. Six. Close. They're fifth. Thanks, oh. Dallas. We see you. Yes. Hello. Nice. San Francisco, California. Pop. Yeah. Ten. Close. Number nine. Wow. The number of perfection, right? All right. And <laughs> Enneagram. Grand Rapids, yeah. Michigan. Pop. Yeah. That's number one. That's number one. Okay. The top three are Grand Rapids, Chicago, and Cheyenne, Wyoming. What up, Cheyenne? Hey. Speaking of, well, not quite yet, but that's going to be one of our <laughs> clips is with some friends from Cheyenne. All right. Scale of one to 10. How about these countries? Same sort of Ooh. thing. Top country listening and from 10. Okay. South Africa. Up. Yeah. Four. It is number oh, four. Hey. Wow. <laughs> nice. All right. Singapore. Pop. Yeah. That's number eight. Five. Okay. U.S. Up. Yep. Ten. That's <laughs> <laughs> right, number Minus one. Zero, yeah. So it goes U.S., Canada, U.K., South Africa, Singapore, and then the, the Naturlands, so the motherland, Matt. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess you're German more than... <laughs> okay. All right, last question for this goofball island. Then we got to get to the heart of the matter so you guys can almost stop fast-forwarding. Okay, I've got the top five most listened to episodes, and you guys have to put them into the five, okay? And I've told you this recently, but they've changed <laughs> because people are they downloading changed. different ones. Oh, yes. Man. Okay, Living an Authentic Life with Ann Voskamp, 81. The Need to Be Seen with Jeff Manis and John Wilson... That was 74, episode 74. The Wise Behind Pornography Addiction with Jay Stringer, episode 57. Exploring Our Souls of Shame with Kurt Thompson, that's 64. And Gay Girl, Good God and Good Marriage with Jackie Hill Perry, 50. So put them in order of the top five. So top one. All right. Okay. Kurt Thompson. Kurt Thompson, number one. Yes. Oh, okay. And I'm saying Jay Stringer is number two. Okay. Ann Voskamp was three. Okay. Jackie Hill Perry is four. Okay. And Jeff and John are number five. You win! You got them all right? Yeah, That's you only, won. Oh, wow, I got them very wrong then. <laughs> That's only because you gave those out to us like a while ago. I didn't. I thought they changed. <laughs> They're not. Well, I don't think so. <laughs> it depends didn't. on which episode of Kurt Thompson. It's episode one. Oh, okay. Okay. All right, guys, let's go now to the heart of the matter. Okay, in one sentence, how has season two affected you guys in general? Like, what's your big, what's like, I don't know, versus the last one, how's it landed with you? I think it's, for me, it's been really nice to, to hear everyone else's stories, to have like season one was very kind of us and our processing focused, it felt like. Mm. Uh, and so to just hear people like like Kurt Thompson talk on shame, like Dan Allen, or like all of the wonderful guests that we had that are just ha sharing their stories of what God has meant to them, like it, it just really entrenches and, and, and further like bolsters my encouragement and my ability to still try and walk this life in a, in a way that's submitted to God. Totally. That was more than one sentence, but they were good. Sorry. So you're good. Silence. It was a Pauline run-on <laughs> sentence. <laughs> there beautiful. you go. No, it was so, so good. Not to shame. Okay, Steve. Uh, so it's one sentence? No, you can oh. do a paragraph. <laughs> a Pauline run-on is No, run -on. no actually, I had one word oh. that came to me like initially as you were asking the question, and that yeah. was lament. It seems mm -hmm. like that's been this recurring theme that's just popped up. I mean, there's been a couple episodes where we were like intentional. That's yeah. what this episode is going to be about. Yeah. But then there have been other episodes where it's just kind of come up, you know, but also in addition to that, I have to say like hope, mm. you know, so it's like, I don't know, you got to hold both of those at the same time, hope yep. and lament. Um, that, that's, I think what just really kind of hit home with me this season. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
As I was praying through and uh, thinking about how to plan out even the guests of season two, I know when we were doing our reflection last year, I was thinking, I really just want to infuse the, not infuse the gospel, but just hear the good news of the gospel in lots of different stories. And I feel like we were able to do that. Mm. And the fruit of that is this emphasis like this deepening, I think, Matt, I'm looking at you right now of this, of our own lives and like, okay, this is real. And then what you're saying, this like, oh, this is, there's tragedy, but there's also hope. Right. And I, I think that's the same for me is I get, I get blown away by that first question every time of like, how's the gospel? How's it first good news? And how is it still? I'm like, dang, it just makes me feel like God is real over and over and over. And then we get to explore these beautiful conversations with people. And so yeah, I, I agree with you guys, and I'm just thankful for God just guiding that. And so we'll talk at the end of this episode just about our hopes for the next season. Um, but yeah, I'm glad to see God keeps leading it. Okay, so guys, we talked about the listener favorites. What have been, what's one of your favorites, Steve? Let's start with you. Uh, yeah, I think I just really appreciated the Mulhagans. Yeah. Your friends. They just came in, told about their work in India, but also just that theme of saying yes, Mm. you know, and just the beautiful marriage they have and how God is using, you know, their passions and bringing that together and just their unique personalities. So that was Tom just like, (laughs) I couldn't pull a clip. We're going to play a lot of clips this episode that I was like, I can't get a short clip because (laughs) you cannot, he's just like so passionate and you know, uh, but to hear about like, um, his interaction with meeting his birth father, but then also capturing that vision for loving kids in India and how his birth father was a part of that. And then just also just the way that they were like, hey, if you feel the Holy Spirit moving you, like, why wait? Like, like, they were just Mm -hmm. like, stop looking for excuses or, you know, stop coming up with things that are slowing that process down. Just go Mm -hmm. all in. That was really inspiring to me. Oh, yeah. So for those of you who missed that one, it's episode 53. It's on saying yes. And so they are such beautiful examples of that yes. And even though it it was not exactly the theme of like sexuality in the gospel that we did mostly in season one, we'll continue in this podcast. uh, It was so neat to see how whatever it is God calls you to, to these hard conversations, Mm -hmm. to these hard locations to just say yes. Matt, what was one of your favorites of yeah, the year? Yeah, I, I think one of one of the ones that immediately stuck out to me was the um, time when we interviewed with with David Bennett, and it was honestly, it's kind of appropriate that it comes right after the Mulhagans and saying yes, because he was like kicking and screaming, saying no <laughs> yeah. to yeah. Jesus, and that was one of my my favorite parts of his story was this clip that we're about to play, where where it was just this God was not letting him do the things that he wanted, and he. He just brought him into kind of the faith and into this amazing walk. And for those of you who missed that episode before we play the clip, producer Steve, uh, 49 is the episode and it's called The Awkward Middle with David Bennett. And he was a gay activist, atheist, and God just arrested his heart. And now he's so sold out and um, he's just amazing. So let's go to the clip. So what was the pinnacle of your gay activism? And then what were some like of those, you know, we just, I call them sometimes like God winks or like God just like peeking behind heaven's curtain, which he's never really doing. He's always everywhere, but just like, how did you see his pursuit of you? So where were you in your activism? And then simultaneously, how was, how were the hound dogs of heaven coming after you? (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, I, there's probably way more than I can even remember or see at, the, at this point in time. But one of them was when I was younger and I was a French existentialist and was really into that mm-hmm. and um, <clears throat> was freshly back from France. And I went to um, a psychic in one of the alternative suburbs of Sydney and she read my cards and she looked up at me and she said, oh, David, you're a child of the light. You're destined to be with Jesus, the greatest mediator in the spiritual realms. You know? Wow. Um, and I was like, what? Jesus, what? Can I have my money back, please? Like, you don't know who I am. Like, you know, like, and, um, so I like stormed out of this like psychic's office getting my $20 back and um, 
I sent my feminist friend the leads in to kind of get her cards read the next week just to see if she wasn't an undercover evangelist. Yeah, right. So ironic because now I am an evangelist. And uh, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and uh, there was nothing about Jesus in the reading. And she said to me, well, maybe it's true, David. And I just dismissed that. So that was one mm. of the little hoodwink. And then <clears throat> the second one was when I had been through quite a tough situation, which I go into in the book. And I just really lost faith in the secular ideal of romantic love that we kind of worship everywhere, even in the church. And mm-hmm. uh, I was in a kind of alternative club where all the big, like, big wigs, the fine arts students, the political, you know, students all hung out together. And uh, I wrote a question, what is love? in a journal and I was like, this is so cliched, but I actually want to know the answer. So I mm. handed it out to everyone on a journal with a pen and got it back and all the responses were really superficial and mm. vapid and empty. And I just sat in the cab on the way home and just was like, there has to be more to life than this. We talk about love and yet we have no idea what it is. Like, mm. what are we pursuing? Mm. And so the, that facade just started to crack. And I think that was a revelation of God, the kind of like Ecclesiastes Solomonic moment, where I was like, everything is vain. Yeah. There's nothing new under the sun. Like, what is new? And then I, but I didn't have the response that knowing God was the new thing every day. Ugh. I love David so much. I got to meet him in person in Denver. We were both speaking together and it was just like, it was the brother from another mother. You guys (laughs) would just love him so much. Mm. Uh, I, I love that clip too. And I'm so glad you picked it. That was one of our listener favorites as well. Um, and what I love about it is in this conversation, especially LGBT and Jesus and how like people, I, I see them and I can do this where you kind of throw your hands up in the air and you're like, there's no way Jesus could reach that person. Or there's no way. No, like there's a, there's no reason to be afraid of this conversation because we know what everyone wants, needs, craves is Jesus Christ, even in what David is saying about this whole like love thing. And then two, there's no one who's out of God's reach. And so I just, anyway, I just, I'm so glad you picked that clip. So what do you got? What do I got? (laughs) Jay Stringer. He was one of my favorites. Uh, So he did the episode on pornography addiction and just uh, what's what's the why behind it. And a big reason this affected me, this conversation in his book, he wrote the book Unwanted. Um, please read it. I admit in this podcast I talk about in this episode, I say how I have a double standard for men who struggle with pornography mm. uh, versus women. And so just to hear the heart behind it, because I think I've had to grow in my own stereotyping of men as sex, animal, shallow people, heartless. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I think hearing even some of the history, it helped me love Matt more and understand him and have way more compassion. And so what he talks about here is it really, it emphasizes that. So what can we do, Jay? We're sitting here feeling futile. Uh, What would you say if someone was listening, they're like, ugh. Like they're just getting hit on all sides and recognizing some connections and wondering about, you know, something from their childhood. And maybe that's why, like, what can, what can we do today? Yeah. So, I mean, a couple of things. One of the primary features of this book is to really invite people to listen to their lust. Uh, And what that means is that all of us have in some ways an arousal template of things that we find sexually stimulating to us. And so one of the things in the research that we did was uh, looked at what are some of the predominant sexual fantasies that men and women have. And one of the main ones for men had to do with uh, wanting to see a college student, a teenager, someone that was younger than them, someone with uh, a race that suggested to them some level of subservience. And so we wanted to know if that was your sexual fantasy, what did that actually say about you? And what we found was that these men were much more likely to have a strict father. Uh, They were dealing with high levels of futility in life, and they uh, had high levels of shame. And so I think part of the writing on the wall is that if we don't know how to transform some of the most difficult moments of our life, some of the harm that we've experienced, 
one of the things that happens to men is that we will desire power over women because we don't we are not actually addressing some of the pain and futility within and so i think wow. part of the reflection back to us uh it is one of my favorite quotes is from this guy named father richard Rohr, and he says the pain we do not transform we transmit yeah. always someone else has to suffer because i don't know how to mm-hmm. and so to me that's one of the big things that we need especially as men to do is to turn towards our unwanted sexual behavior and recognize that there's a lot of pain, uh, a lot of harm, and a lot of entitlement that that reveals. And we need to be able to have the integrity to confront and to regulate our own emotions and disappointments and marriage and life uh, without sexualizing them, without creating debris in our marriages, without creating uh, just a demand for the subordination and objectification of women. Because if we're not attuned to our own hearts and our own story, Uh, we're inevitably going to drift into a type of sexual story uh, that actually wants someone else to be subordinate to us. So the first thing I'd say is just we need to listen to our lust and see what that actually says about us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, talking about how it is so driven by things like futility and just, you know, the stuff that we face every day, uh, how that actually can drive us to some pretty unthinkable evil yeah, was pretty powerful to me. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I remember this one mostly because this was an episode where I felt like I didn't even talk because I was just so kind of like, Oh my goodness, taking everything yeah. that he was saying in. And in that clip, he, he shares like the, the futility that people feel the, the, the men that are, are struggling with this particular form of pornography tend to have a lot of shame and, and this is something that, that I've been working with and a lot of my clients is like, okay, let's, let's actually examine like the, the lust, let's take stock in it and, and really finding out what is that shame. And, and one of the things that I was really encouraged by was, okay, you know, if, if a man who already feels shame and that shame drives into pornography, how do we as Christians need to respond? We can't shame them further to shame them out of pornography. Hmm. Yes. That's just going to drive them right, right. back in. So yep. a, a very, very gentle approach. And, and teaching them to be gentle with themselves because most of the time people who struggle with, with pornography, if they're trying to, to get out of it, they're, they're berating themselves every time yeah. they fail and mm. every mistake they make. And that was our the second most downloaded and listened to episode. And that was episode 57, The Wise Behind Pornography Addiction with Jay Stringer. If you guys want to listen to the whole thing and get his book, Unwanted, I get no kickback for his book. It's just really helpful. Mm-hmm. Steve, another fave? Yeah. So um, my, my next one, was, speaking of shame, it yep. was Dr. Kurt Thompson. Yeah. And uh, we actually spent two episodes with him uh, talking about some of the principles in his book, The Soul of Shame. Uh, and this metaphor of the vehicle, you know, yes. we're in we're in go mode. Our foot is on the accelerator. That's just kind of our default setting. I'll I'll let him take it from there. But man, that I still come. I'll talk about it more after. But I, I still process this all the time. It's important that we have a way for us to restrain our sympathetic system by engaging our parasympathetic system, and that's the braking system of our brain. And this is necessary for us. We like to say, look, no is as an important element of God's love for us as is his yes. Mm. There's no question that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you know, I I tell people it would be be lovely. Look, if God doesn't want me to eat of that tree, then why don't you plant it 40 miles to the west? Look, we don't even have the wheel yet, right? Right, right. I don't, and, and so that I can't get to it, but he puts his no in the very center hmm. of our relational and emotional life together in the Garden of Eden, and says, you may not do this. We need no in order for us to flourish as much as we need yes. Hmm. But in order for that to be done effectively, in order for no to be activated effectively, this braking system, we also need in the metaphor of a standard transmission automobile, we need a clutch. We need something that can help the engine adjust from the accelerator mode to the braking mode. And that clutch is the presence of an attuned relationship. Mm. So when the infant 
is being told no when the newborn when when the when the toddler is being told no by the parent the no can be done gently or the no can be done with a loud voice because if i mean there are sometimes if our child literally is about to do something dangerous we shout across the room no hmm. strongly but we know that if you drive a standard transmission automobile you can slam on the brake but if you follow quickly enough with the clutch you don't lose the engine mm-hmm. You can say no to a child, but if you are quickly moving toward them in an attuned fashion, Mm. you help their parasympathetic system not overwhelm their brain, and so they learn to not do certain things. We learn to say no. We learn to self-regulate and restrain, but we do so effectively because it is in the restraint that we still maintain deep connection with another human being who is attuned to us. Anytime the brake system is applied and no clutch is available, shame is what happens. Mm. And so, again, things as simple and as casual as we're speaking in a group and we offer a comment and nobody responds. We just kind of just keep going and nobody comes back and says, Laurie, wait, you said something earlier and we didn't get to you. Could you say that again? Mm. That sense of feeling, look, that's not, you know, it's, it's not catastrophic, it's not major, but the brain registers this as a neurophysiologic event, the fundamental nature of which is what we call shame. So, I mean, a lot of really, really smart information yeah. there, but just having that metaphor for me, I mean, even like with my little grandkids, you know, there's a lot of no happening yeah, <laughs> just to save their lives, yep. but to embrace them and, you know what I'm saying? Like give them that support and that love and that affirmation and relationship, I think contextualizes the no in a way that hopefully they're mm-hmm. not shutting down. Yeah. And darn it, I'm feeling just as convicted as the first time we listened or we talked to to Kurt yeah. because I'm like, oh, I still struggle with that with, with my girls and, mm. and I can very quickly say no, apply the clutch. It literally has changed our parenting because we, yeah. we've learned to listen for this. And so if I catch Matt doing this, I'm glad that God often has us parent in pairs. <laughs> so like that, <laughs> yeah. I can call that out and Matt and vice versa. So yeah, a million amazing things to this. And he was our top listen. That's episode 64, Exploring Our Souls of Shame, part one. And I got to meet him in Nashville. And he was, I was like giddy. And he's like, can we take a picture together? I'm like, you want one with me? I like bow at your feet. You're amazing. <laughs> uh, but he talked about sex robots. So, I mean, maybe we're going to have him back on about, yeah, wow. robots. Yeah. Anyway, it's the world is very much changing. And he just, it was ama- His talk was amazing. You guys can find it on Q, the Q ideas page i'm sure soon and with that left turn <laughs> let's shift to matt what was another of your faves and we're just doing three of each of ours what yeah was another of we're not going to listen to a clip to my of my next one but i'm going to piggyback right off of um kurt thompson and in, in episode one and i'm just going to jump to the next episode episode yeah. two with him and where he talks about just the need for for community the need to have people who respond to our stories he talks about that empathic um, you know, attuned witness and, and how that can happen really well with one person, with parents um, or with a counselor, but how it can happen so much more in, in the scope of a community and how the Holy Spirit can actually use our responses to people to, to rewire their brain and to, to really help remove that systemic shame that they might feel that was a part of their story. Yeah. Which I think is the gift of even the three of us in this room, let alone inviting others in. And then having this podcast family is talking about these things that the church doesn't often speak Mm -hmm. on and then opening it up. It just shines light on it. But it feels it's this community aspect. Yeah. And I think, you know, we hear a guy like that and we're like, well, of course, that's why you get the big bucks, because you're somehow able to do this with people and, you know, like counselors and and Matt, that's what you do. But really, we're all called Mm -hmm. to be that to people and yes. we actually can as the Holy Spirit leads us. Yeah. yeah. And listening well. Mm. Well, another of my favorites was Dan Allender and not just cause he made fun of Matt throughout the episode. <laughs> is, is that the clip? <laughs> is, is, is all the, the clips doing? of him making fun of you as the Argyle expert. <laughs> it's a compilation. <laughs> uh, no, for me. So this is Dan Allender and we talked about uh, sexuality and shame. So this is just a couple episodes ago. And, uh, 
it was one of my favorites, even though it wasn't, you know, top listen yet. Maybe mm. it will bump up after this one. <laughs> uh, but he talks about how um, kindness in that place of shame. Again, that was another theme of this whole mm-hmm. series this time uh, of the season. So shame and contempt and how kindness affects it. So let's listen. My effort to resolve the unaddressed shame and contempt in my own life led to massive misuse of my body, massive misuse of drugs, alcohol, other human beings, stealing cars, causing uh, difficulties uh, for my teachers, et cetera, et cetera. In other words, I did more harm to myself in addressing the abuse than in some ways my abusers did to me. Mm. So I have to bear a new level of kindness if I'm going to get to that issue of both shame and contempt. But you have Paul's next phrase, and that is, why do you treat the kindness of God with contempt? I think contempt is our way to manage shame with a level of control that annihilates ourselves so that we don't feel, so we don't want, so we don't risk. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, it is really only another form of self-hatred that allows us to lessen the experience of of shame. So whether it's self-contempt, I'm such an ass, a fool, a jerk, or you're an idiot, uh, other-centered contempt, in either form, it's the same brick, uh, but directed in a very different direction that ultimately lessens our sense of shame. But in the long run, oh my goodness, it only intensifies it. I mean, you need to just go back and listen again, right? Yeah. Just to like capture all of his words. But what do you guys think of it? Yeah, well, I mean, and I loved, I, I even with all of the making me, you know, come down a peg or two, <laughs> like th- I loved talking to Dan Allender and even just re-listening to it now, like there's a sense of, yeah, and Shame, shame is what keeps us from engaging. Shame is what keeps us from, it, it keeps us passive in our, mm. in our relationships with other people, in our relationships with ourselves, And, and that contempt piece, like it, oftentimes, yes, it gets turned toward others, but a lot of times, especially in those who have been traumatized, it gets turned toward themselves and, and establishing kindness is hard, but it's worth it. I'm just thinking about this next phase of life for me and you guys know our story. After our last kid was born, I went to a spiral mm. and I got real quiet and I got really self-hateful and shame was my name in a lot of ways. And uh, so I, as I look ahead to another postpartum season, um, it's been helpful to not slip into fear of the future. But even in just thinking about what he said, I, I can't stop thinking about it because I'm like, okay, Lori, even if, let's say even if you spiral again and it gets real dark and stuff comes up for you. Can you invite kindness there? Mm -hmm. Can you open up your mouth and invite people there to help combat some of the darkness with you? So I haven't nailed this, but this was such a helpful conversation, Matt. We've talked Mm -hmm. about it so many times since then Mm -hmm. to just be like, even if, can you still be kind to yourself, Lori, and invite the love of God in that dark space, even if it goes dark for you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and and I don't, can I talk about our conversation last Wednesday. I don't know what you're going to say, but go for it. <laughs> so this, this idea of, of kindness and, and shame, and, and I've seen it just very manifest in my life, even, you know, cause you were talking about, you emailed me or not emailed me. You texted me last oh, yeah. week yeah, about, about some of your worries with, with just this, the upcoming birth and, and, you know, struggling with like postpartum and, and everything. And, and I saw that text and I was with clients and then I completely like forgot about it and mm-hmm. never said anything until like, and that was like Monday night that you texted and Wednesday you're like, Hey, so I sent you this text. You did this very vulnerable thing mm. of coming, you know, toward me. And I immediately like knew, ah, and then I got very defensive and I started like outlining the, the intellectual reasons why I didn't say anything and why I didn't. And here was my intention. And then it come to this point where I'm, I'm saying all this stuff and we're going back and forth and it's kind of getting a little bit more agitated. And it was like, I had this moment where it was like, God spoke into my head and he's like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Like, you don't need to defend yourself. Like it was a mistake. And it, that was when I kind of just paused and looked at you and said, I don't know why I'm doing this. I don't know why it's so important that I don't make a mistake. 
right now. And then that, that like diffused the whole the situation whole and you were like, thank you. That's all I needed. That's all I needed. And I <laughs> forgive you and yeah. I'm like saying sorry. And now I'm kind of getting a little teary eyed because yeah. it was this moment where you were vulnerable with something of, of deep shame and I didn't respond well. And then was pouring in a sense, kind of contempt on myself and then trying to mitigate that through intellectualizing it. Yeah. And I felt myself get defensive. Yeah. And, and it was only through like God saying, dude, you can be kind to yourself in a sense. Like you don't, it's okay that you made a mistake. You're mm. not, your screw up is not going to be the death of this relationship, which ultimately that's probably what I was trying to defend against. And, yeah. and so, yeah, yeah. It, so good. Dan Allender, wow. kindness, all yeah. sorts of stuff. Like it it's just so, so applicable. Yeah. I, I love what you just <laughs> disclosed. Cause I mean, like I hear that and I'm like, that's me and my wife all the time. Mm. Like I always feel like, Oh, you're not seeing how I love you. And I need to explain how I do because you're not seeing it right. And it just basically comes down to me trying to, you know, explain something intellectually mm -hmm. when really I just need to go, you know, I am sorry. We missed each other there. And <laughs> I'm sure I got something to own in that. And, you know, I'm saying instead of damage control, let's just invite kindness for yourself, <laughs> yeah. which then just poured love onto me and pours love on mm -hmm. your wife. And mm -hmm. then it just, or your friend or whoever you're yeah. having an argument with. And it just, it did, it diffused it. The kindness of God mm -hmm. cracked through mm -hmm. the shame you were hiding behind, which was behind contempt. Yeah. It's bananas. Yeah. Wow. And then that mirrored the cracked ice cream cone that I had that started just leaking all oh, over yeah. my Oh yeah, that head. was an almost <laughs> shame moment. Matt was like, because we were in this big argument, we were eating ice cream in a hot day. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, I got to pour more love on you as the ice cream dripped all nice. over yourself. <laughs> All right. What's your final fave, okay, yes. Steve? My, I guess, number one, if you will. Yeah. Uh, but the reason is because God is all over this story. It's yeah. um, episode 74. It was one of our um, core needs series. The need, need, to, be need seen. to be seen. It was yep. Jeff Manis and John Wilson. And basically the story is this staff person coming out to his boss, yep. the, the senior pastor. But... God prepared that senior pastor months and months in advance. So I'll let them tell the story, but really it's, it's because God is so all over this. God brought a, just a wonderful, very non-traditional family to our church, let's say yeah. that didn't believe what we believed. And they started asking me as the pastor questions around the LGBT conversation. How much, how little can an LGBT, uh, LGBT person that's in a gay relationship, how much can they be involved? How much can they be active? That began to le led to deeper questions of, well, why do you believe what you believe? What does the Bible really say about that? And those conversations forced me to actually figure out not only do what do I believe, but why do I believe it? Mm. So I started de literally devouring information and material on the LGBT conversation. I read affirming books, non-affirming books, side X books, side B books. And, and one of the first books I read was People to be Loved by Preston Sprinkle, who I know you guys know well, mm -hmm. that just opened up my eyes to this conversation in a way that hadn't been before. It was the first book that I read where I felt like, I okay, I can get behind this. Yes. It was firmly rooted in scripture and the historic Christian sexual ethic but what Preston also did was open my eyes to the way the church and really to the way that I had not personally loved LGBT people as simply people, hmm. people first and sexuality second. And I was so challenged by it, like wrecked by it. I had had to do some repenting and confessing and apologizing to this, you know, this family that had come to our church. And it was through that book that I was first introduced the concept that someone might have a same-sex attraction, but actually be pursuing the same sexual ethic that I believed in, hmm. committing themselves to a life of holiness and purity, which led for them to single celibacy or an opposite-sex marriage. And my mind was blown. Like, it was yeah. literally blown. Mm. And so all this was happening while God brought to our team this young man named John that I had no idea was gay. I mean, literally no idea. Yeah, I, I didn't know the struggles, the hurt, the pain, the shame that was a part of his story. And looking back, while yes, 
I needed to grow in my own love and compassion for all people, including LGBT people, I feel like in God's sovereignty, he literally used this family that came to our church to then prepare my heart to receive John mm-hmm. for when he walked into my office in November, December of 2017 and, and sat down. And I mean, he, he didn't pull any punches. He just said, I'm going to, I'm just going to tell you, you know, we're going to address this right out front. I'm gay. Mm. And four years ago, I probably would have fired him on the spot. Mm. Just, just, just thinking that by saying I'm gay, he meant I'm, I'm pursuing gay sex or a same sex romantic relationship, but praise God, instead of assuming because the Lord had, had done so much work in my heart, I learned to actually ask questions. Love that. Yeah. And, and, you know, I cut it off, but at that point you sort of just hit pause. (laughs) I loved that moment. You're like, please, let's just hear what he just said. Yes. You know? Well, and even in hearing it back right now, I'll, you know, I was out there when I met them and Cheyenne, um, speaking with them and I, when he, I said, so what would you have done when I asked that question? He's like, oh, I would have fired him. And I was like, what? Like, not in like a shamey way, but in like a, what has God done here? Right. This is outrageous. So I'm so glad you brought this one to the table because this is, this is one that I really think everybody needs to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Matt, top fave. Yeah. My, my last one. And I don't, it's no surprise to me <laughs> because I'm me, but my, my, <laughs> my top one, obviously I know what's going on in my head. None of you do. I'm sorry about short this. Stories and... Short stories. Short stories <laughs> and unfinished anthologies, all sorts fan of Fan fiction. I'm going to make that part of your repertoire now that you write fan, fan fiction. <laughs> I'm adding it in. Well, now you're just adding straight lies anyway. Okay. okay. Anyway, back to the heart of the matter because yes. we are not on Goofball no. Island. My, my, the one that is probably just stuck with me the most out of any of the episodes that we've done this year has been the episode, episode 80 with Christopher West, fill these hearts. And Mm. I would love to try and explain half of the things that he talks about, but just play the clip. We in 2019 are not great at, let's just be honest, evangelizing people, telling people about the gospel. So how do you, how can we knowing, oh man, this is all this hunger for God that we are seeking him and your books unpack this so beautifully. How do you, Christopher, talk to the stoic or to the addict to really help them feel that hunger? Yes. If I may say it this way, I'll just point to the greatest evangelist who ever lived you might have heard of him. His name's Jesus. <laughs> uh, and the story of the woman at the well, I believe, is the model of authentic evangelization. Hmm. So she comes to the well. Why? Why do people go to wells? She's thirsty. She's thirsty. Yep. She's thirsty. And she meets this mysterious guy who's willing to enter into conversation with her. Now, the typology here, if you go back to the Old Testament— Jacob's well, where this exchange happened, was the scene in the Old Testament of some very important wedding proposals. Right. Mm-hmm. It's Rachel. And mm-hmm. this, exactly, this sets the stage for what's happening. And and notice Jesus says to her, give me a drink. His thirst comes first. Mm. This is so important. We are thirsted after before we feel any thirst for anything ourselves. Oh, yeah. In the final analysis, all we can really say to God is, I love you too. (laughs) His love comes first. This is love. Not that we loved him, but that he loved us first. His thirst comes first. All we can say is, I thirst for you too. And this is good news because his thirst for us comes first. And then notice what Jesus does with this woman. He's, he's trying to, when he says to her, go get your husband, he's trying to point out to her where she has been aiming her thirst. Mm-hmm. <laughs> go get your husband. Well, I don't have a husband. Jesus says, I know. I know, in fact, you've been married five times in the past. And the guy you're with now, who's number six, you're not married to him at all. He doesn't shame her. He doesn't scold her. He's pointing out where she's taking her deepest 
thirst. Now notice there's some interesting symbols going on here. Six is the imperfect biblical number. This woman, as we all do, is taking her thirst for perfect love to imperfect lovers. We all do this. Well, what's the perfect biblical number? I don't know. Is it seven or is it <laughs> seven? <laughs> seven or twelve? Who's yeah. her seventh lover? Yeah, Jesus. Mm. That's he it. redirects her thirst. This is evangelization. Mm. Evangelization is getting people in touch with their thirst, gently, keyword, gently pointing out where they're taking it without condemnation, without scolding, and then gently redirecting that thirst. And here's where Jesus does the redirect. He says, if you knew the gift that I wanted to give you, you would ask me for a drink and I would give you a water that if you drink it, it will well up in you to eternal life. Mm. He's redirecting her rocket engines to the stars. That's what he's doing. Wow. Ah, it's so good. It's just, and I remember that moment because you hear me and I'm like, am I right? <laughs> like, I'm like slowly yeah. going with him. Right. But then we, you guys were both jaw dropped in the yeah. moment. Like you're like, what? He thirsts for us first. It's so good. Yeah. yeah and I, I think that is why it just stuck with me so much is that's still something that I wrestle with that God would thirst for me, that he would desire mm. me more than I can imagine. Right. And I mean, like, he goes on to say, the gospel is summed up, God wants to marry you. I know. He loves you. He wants to marry you. He wants to put his life in you. Like, that was like, what? You know? I know. It's so good. It just redefines all of our metaphors. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. My top favor. All right. Fine. You knew it was coming. (laughs) Ann Voskamp. (laughs) I fangirl pretty hard about Ann Voskamp, but really because... Matt, the whole time you guys didn't hear this behind the scenes is he just kept being like, looking at me like, are you okay? Are you doing all right? I was like, you're so mean to me. (sighs) Um, But I, her book, The Broken Way really impacted me when we were in a really tough season and I read it really fast and um, I was able to meet her a couple, few Q conferences ago in Nashville and I just appreciate her authenticity is there's not a lot of people who are willing to talk about things like wrestling with cutting and like wanting to die and watching like, I don't know. I just, I feel like I don't hear that authentic level as much in the world. And so as someone who's hungering for that, I appreciate it. So I appreciate her words. And then this clip was helpful. And Matt, really, you're kind of the hero of this clip. All right, let's listen. Lament says that has deep pain and brings it to God and still declares that God is good. Complaint is something different. Complaint has these issues and questions the goodness of God. So I think um, we have to look at the Egyptians all the way, or the Israelites all the way through the Old Testament. This murmuring and grumbling against God is very different than David in the Psalms, who has these questions. But again and again, you see, by the time he ends the Psalm, he's back to, he is steadfast and unshakable Mm -hmm. in his knowledge of who God is. And we we can't have that unless we are steeping and saturating ourselves in the word. Unless we are wearing the lens of the word, our whole world warps. So, Oh, yeah. So good. Well, yeah, I, if I can just jump in here a little bit. Like you talk about David and and just this heart that he had for God and, and a man of immense, immense failure that, yeah. that he was confronted with. But but then yeah. also, uh, you know, if you think back to just the, the anointing of David, where he was even left out of the lineup, like he was he was the shepherd. He was not, you know, kingly material. Yet out of that place of lowness is mm-hmm. is when God looked at him and said, I I affirm you and I, mm-hmm. I'm going to raise you up and I'm you know, and he calls him out of that low place to to a deeper relationship. And I can't help but think that that experience mm-hmm. of knowing God's love for him, not based on status and stature and and feeling like he has to have everything put together, allowed him to approach God in a much more authentic way. And in doing that it would reinforce almost like this self-perpetuating, like reinforcing of the, the, the love that God has for him, which then drives him deeper into it. And, and I feel like this process of confession and 
and and then allowing ourselves to be affirmed in our failure that in mm-hmm. spite of everything that we've done wrong that that God is still so immensely in love with us like if if we don't yes. have that we we won't be authentic we won't be honest if we believe that in our failure God will reject us and i think what that was so well articulated for and you don't need to be a four or nine did that beautifully <laughs> <laughs> Look, everyone, <laughs> he did it. <laughs> powerful. Because when you look at David, and and he is a broken man after he's been called out by Nathan and says, you're the man. And unless you have, um, you are, we either have a choice in that moment when you're called out, you can either hide from God and put on a mask and withdraw from him. Hmm in your shame, or you can say, I am running to God right now. And I don't know where I saw it. Someone said that we either have the mentality of, oh dear, I've messed up. Dad's going to kill me. Or, oh dear, I've messed up. I need to call dad. Hmm. And I think um, in our brokenness, when we have messed up, you see how David doesn't run from God. He runs to God. Hmm. And and he trusts that, you know what, when, when we want a do-over, Jesus covers us with unerasable grace and that we listen to David repent again and again in the Psalms and, and get to the place where, like, you know, when you cannot repent enough, Jesus says enough, it is finished. And that when we feel like we've messed everything up underneath us are the everlasting arms that will never let us down. So I think um, going ahead and, and being in a place where you can be really driven to God with your brokenness instead of away from God. And and David is still used by God. God doesn't withdraw his spirit from David at all. See, that was a Matt moment. You guys, yeah. you know when they're yeah. coming, don't you, Steve? You can feel it in the room. Oh, yeah. When it's like, Matt's got something. He's got something. And I'm like, <laughs> and go. <laughs> so it's a hashtag Matt moment. Yeah. <laughs> but it was really beautiful and led into that, what she said, just about how, oh no, where's dad? And I, that's mm-hmm. another thing that's really played into our, Matt and my relationship, but even our parenting and like, okay, how can we cultivate our daughters to want to come to us with their pain? Just like we want mm-hmm. to really to take their hands off of us someday and slowly teach them to put them on to Abba, to daddy. Mm-hmm. So that was, it was a sweet moment. And just even in thinking about writing this impossible marriage book, which I'll be talking about that, even though we'll be off the podcast grid, I'll be talking about that on Instagram. Um, so if you guys follow me there and you'll see baby pictures, <laughs> uh, but I just think about how, okay, can I have this audience of one? She talks about that later in, in being authentic there. And so if I know I'm loved, if Matt, you know, you're loved in writing your fan fiction or in this <laughs> marriage book, <laughs> that you're going to not feel shamed. You're just going to be writing from this authentic place. Okay, guys, last question for you is hope for the next season. Any uh, guest or trajectory. And for those of you listeners who you've been emailing or again, taking that survey or just letting me know like ideas that you have for season three. Thank you. We are taking them and taking them to Jesus just for trajectory. But guys, any thoughts for next season? Well, I mean, this is interesting because it's come up a couple times just here in this podcast today. Um, but I would love to take the, I guess, little community that God has built here through this podcast kind of like to the next level and hmm. to hear actually like here with our ears yeah. more from our listeners. Ooh, I love it. Uh, and I mean, like this is just coming to me right now as we talk. So as you do the question of the week, like listeners could record a, like a voice memo and email that to you instead of only ever just responding on Facebook or Instagram or through, um, through email. So love it. I don't know if there was some way we could hear our listeners voices. I think that would be so cool. I love that. And I like that God used even your gifting of producer, Steve, (laughs) the most professional radio voice among us (laughs) to hear other voices who may be even more professional. Oh, sure. I love it. So if we end up doing that, we'll hit y'all up and we'll tell you how to, how to hit us with the, I don't know, language verbs (laughs) to tell us your ideas via voice memo. A voice memo. Huh. All right, Matt, please save me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, 
So, I, yeah, I guess the thing that I would like to see happen is is more just this continued trajectory, like you talk with, with Ann Voskamp about this running toward God the Father. You talk to Christopher West about this desire that God has for us. And I, I think back to the first season when we did the Francis Chan study, the, yeah. the You and Me Forever and like Marriage in Light of Eternity, I think is the under underscore or whatever for, for that book. And I would love to come closer to eternity, like to, to just through the talking through, through the people we're interacting with, just be more excited and sold out and like focused on what comes next. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, I felt that in the air when you were saying that I was like, Ooh, that's a thing. Okay. It's not a Matt moment. No, no. It's not a hashtag. <laughs> it was moment. a Matt. That was. actually was. Kinda yeah. Was. Steve and I get to decide that you don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And the listeners. Uh, okay. I hear you guys and I'm going to take notes. I, I'm praying right now of like ideas that you listeners have sent to us about covering even more difficult topics. Like, okay, what about women in leadership? Hey, let's talk about racial reconciliation. How could, how, like, those are topics that are challenging for the church and how can we unpack those? Cause I'm like LGBT. Sure. I mean, it's not scary to me anymore to talk about that. <laughs> um, but to engage some conversations that I'm still working through. And so mm-hmm. I know we, yeah, we've engaged racial, racial reconciliation on our own and in our own church and things like that. But to bring those conversations to the podcast and wrestle through like this whole thing. So I'm not going to say we're going to solve it, but to bring it. And even with what you were just saying, Matt, like how can we put even more difficult conversations, both in this gospel context, but also in this eternity context. And so mm-hmm. I don't know how to land the plane, even in this, this like where do we want to go? But I'd like to unpack some more even difficult conversations with siblings in Christ. And I don't know, we'll see where it takes us. I mean, also when we get to this point next year, we'll just be a few months away from a presidential election. So we can help people, you know, with how to vote. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Let's not do that. (laughs) That's when we take an 18 month vacation. (laughs) We're going to only do goofball Island the whole season. (laughs) Oh man. All right. Well guys, thanks for being a part of this conversation and just the podcast family. And really I cry when I read some of your feedback feedback and thoughts and, um, not pushback. I don't usually, you know, constructive criticism. I just appreciate it. Uh, but when it's just, you just share the stories of impact, I'm just in awe of God to just see how he uses our tiny acts of obedience. Um, but practically speaking, Hey guys, if you're interested in some of this discipleship training, Matt and I do actually together, we're booking into the fall. It's called journey. Well, and we teach you how to walk well alongside LGBT people. And really the secret sauce is, oh, it's just teaching each other how to walk well alongside anyone. Um, but just if you're interested in that, just like trying to take the the theology of the LGBT conversation and really put boots on the ground. We love walking with you. We do a six hour, it's called Journey Well Workshop. So email my director of ops, because I will be off the grid, lisa at himhministries.com. And I have a question of the week for next week which really is just let us know what you think about the podcast and if you have any ideas. <laughs> so let me know. Uh, you can hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Lori Krieg, K-R-I-E-G. And guys, just thanks. Thanks mm-hmm. for being you. Thanks for being a part of the fam. And Steve and Matt, air high five. That's how we ended last time. <laughs> is it? Yay. Right. I think so. We did that <laughs> last season. Uh, but for all of us here at the Hole in My Heart podcast, we will see you in a couple months. Let's talk about oh, your life now. For sure. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's not about this. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Remember when Foshizi was a thing? You mean it's not anymore? <laughs> Still is. Oh, you it know, is. Do you just say it lots. Your kids will love it. <laughs> yeah, boy. Just yeah. wait. Just wait. Oh, You've got boy. kids. You wait. Just you wait. They're not going to think you're cool forever. Someday. Someday. <laughs> you probably will. Uh, okay. Ready? Yep. I'm not. <laughs> Here we go. Oh, cheesy. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> when when you introduce me, that's how I'm gonna say hello. Okay. The Hole in My Heart podcast, guys. We will see you in a couple months.
Maybe I shouldn't. It was a minor key. Maybe I should do it down. Okay. Okay. All right. For all of us here at the Hole in My Heart podcast, we will see you in a couple months. Okay.